This is a Burn FM podcast. Welcome to Moni Lisa, an art history podcast open to everyone. Whether you know a lot or a little about art, join us to gossip about the dark side of art's past. We're talking unfiltered feuds, frauds and affairs. I'm Nadia. And I'm Ella. We are two art history students passionate about the art world. So hopefully that means we sort of know what we're talking about. (laughs) The art world can be a weird yet wonderful place and we are interested in the stuff not displayed on the gallery walls. The drama behind the scenes, I guess you could say. Some facts about us, we love art, but we also love moaning. So what are we moaning about today, Ella? To kick off the Moni Lisa podcast, we will of course be honouring the biggest Mona of all time, our namesake, the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. This is a portrait from 1503 of a woman called Lisa del Giacondo, that's uh, in my best Italian accent. It is an oil painting on wood and it's half length, which means Lisa is painted from the arms up, not a full length portrait. It would have been fairly expensive to buy, even at the time of its creation, whereas now, as I'm sure many of you know, it is considered priceless. As da Vinci is Italian, this means it's from the High Renaissance period, the 15th and 16th centuries. Artists like Michelangelo, Raphael and Botticelli were at the forefront of art at this time. There's a lot of hype around this painting because no one can decide what expression Lisa is pulling. The whole, is she, isn't she, smiling debate. As well as the theories that her eyes follow you around the room, which is (laughs) kind of creepy if you ask Uh me. Mona Lisa is a mammoth of pop culture. You've got Mona Lisa Smile, a film with the one and only Julia Roberts, Mm -hmm. as well as a famous song sang by Nat King Cole. You've seen it on posters, mugs and merchandise reproduced constantly. The Dada artist Marcel Duchamp famously put a moustache on her, while the comedy trio The Lonely Island wrote a song in which they declared her an overrated piece of sh- and I probably shouldn't finish that sentence. Uh, She has been described by The Independent as the best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, and the most parodied work of art in the world. Ah, so she's pretty underrated then. Yeah, pretty pretty humble girl. She's a cultural icon. Have you ever seen the Mona Lisa in real life? I did technically see the painting from a bulletproof glass box in the back of a crowd through a Ah. sea of selfie sticks. (laughs) Uh, I was shocked by how small it was, to be honest, kind of poster-sized. The whole experience was kind of underwhelming when she's such an iconic image. Yeah, it's hard to believe that what is now the most famous painting in the world, with the highest security and attracting the largest audiences, was once walked up to and simply taken off the wall literally stolen in broad daylight in 1911. I know, I can't believe the Mona Lisa was stolen. I feel like more people should know about this. 
Yeah, so art students used to paint copies of the grand works in the Louvre as practice, usually dressed in white smocks or overalls to protect their clothes, which made it the perfect disguise for someone potentially looking to steal the Mona Lisa. Paintings were regularly taken off the wall, studied and cleaned, so when a man in a white overall walked up to the Mona Lisa and sidled off with it, no one thought to query him. Imagine trying to get away with that today. Tell me (laughs) you didn't just waltz in. Well, the day before it was stolen on Sunday afternoon, our mystery man did simply walk into the Louvre and hid in a paint cupboard overnight. That is crazy. Who actually discovered it was missing? As it was a Monday when the Louvre was closed, it was a good day for the trainee artists to study the works uninterrupted. A wealthy museum patron and amateur painter arrived to do just that specifically Mona Lisa and funnily enough Mona wasn't there. It was 24 hours before anyone noticed and even then it took several hours for the guards to alert the gallery staff. So all in all a pretty bad day to be on shift. Yeah that's some pretty bad security. (laughs) I wonder if they kept their jobs after that one. So, grass up who did it then. Do we know who pulled off this heist? Well, one of the first suspects was Pablo Picasso, who didn't steal her, but did suspiciously get rid of some statues that just so happened to also have been stolen from the Louvre. What is that boy like? (laughs) The actual thief was a Louvre employee, an artist, Vincenzo Perugia, a proud Italian nationalist who smuggled the painting out under his smock because he felt it belonged to his and Da Vinci's homeland, Italy, not France. So he was trying to demonstrate his love of Italy by giving the painting back. It might have been easier just to have a pizza and some vino. (laughs) The question is, was it a one-man job? Surely it can't be that easy to sneak out a priceless artwork. Perugia was the only one prosecuted for the crime, but it's unlikely he acted alone. While the security might have been lax, the painting was still encased in a heavy wood backing and a glass case that would have weighed almost 200 pounds. And he can't have been that buff. He's been doing his Joe Wicks. (laughs) I can barely lift my three pound weights, so that definitely sounds like somebody got away with it. Mm. Get this, a man who called himself the Marquis of the Vale of Hell told a reporter that he was the mastermind behind the heist whose name sounds less Bond villain, more shabby Disney buddy, doesn't it? (laughs) But according to the Marquis, Perugia was one of three men paid to steal the Mona Lisa. The Marquis planned to sell forgeries of the masterpiece to collectors for exorbitant sums, each believing they now owned the real thing. That sounds like a bit like a Scooby-Doo plot or something. Surely it would never have worked out. No, absolutely not, because there's no way the forgers could have got the painting to look old enough. Paint cracks over time and Mona Lisa is covered in wrinkles, so it could never look identical to the original. I love that it was her wrinkles that saved the day. Such a feminist statement. Perugia kept the portrait in Paris until two years later when he met an art dealer called Alfred Jerry in Florence. But Jerry arranged a meeting with the thief Perugia, the director of the Uffizi Gallery, which is home to famous work like Botticelli's Birth of Venus, and of course he wanted to meet Mona Lisa too. So Perugia removed the painting from a classic false-bottomed travel trunk, and Jerry spotted Mona's wrinkles. The fine cracks in the paint called Cracula 
which meant it was identifiable as the old and original painting rather than a fake. So he immediately called the police. Wow, L'Oreal can stop trying to sell us anti-aging creams now. Wrinkles <laughs> are officially back in vogue. <laughs> Clearly. In fact, the Mona Lisa went on a tour of Italy before returning to Paris. It seems Mona Lisa certainly wasn't short of admirers. Actually, I was reading the other day, out of the one million artworks in the Louvre collection, only Mona Lisa has received fan mail. Fan in mail? Fact, she received so many love letters that she was placed under police protection. And I can't even get a guy to text me back. <laughs> so what did these admirers do once she was missing? Weirdly, just as many letters poured in for her when the painting oh. was stolen. Thousands came to stare at the now blank wall where she once hung. They left flowers, notes and remembrances as if they were in mourning. Well, some might say a blank wall is far more interesting than the actual painting. Oh, that's a bit savage. <laughs> to be fair, Mona Lisa has had her fair share of haters too. She's even been attacked multiple times. Ugo Ngaza Villegas, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You gave it your best. He chucked a rock at the portrait in 1956. Oh, right. A few months before, another art attacker pitched acid at the painting, which actually hit the lower section, and you can see the evidence of this damage on the painting. Oh, really? Hence the bulletproof box she sits in now. Sounds like you're telling me Mona has a very punchable-looking face. Although... She was quite literally mugged off in 2009 by a Russian woman who'd been denied French citizenship, so went and threw a ceramic mug at the painting, which was repelled by the glass, but at least we know it's doing its job. I'm loving the anger. <laughs> I've wanted to throw a mug at a few people. Not, never a painting, but... So do you reckon the heist is the reason for Mona Lisa's fame? I mean, although it was still a valuable artwork in the 18th and 19th centuries, it certainly wasn't as instantly recognisable as it is now. Mm. I mean, we're saying Mona Lisa on a podcast with no image to reference, but I bet our listeners have at least a good picture of the work in their heads. Yeah, a bit like on Love Island when the contestants leave the villa, the minute Mona left the gallery she was propelled into stardom. Every major European newspaper reported on the theft with a reproduced image of Mona, so many more people became familiar with the artwork than just the usual tourists. Yeah, that does make sense. Ironically, perhaps being stolen was the best thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> but the Washington Post reported the theft and mistakenly ran a picture of the Mona Vanna, the wrong image. So the Mona Vanna is a nude charcoal sketch that some Ooh. do believe da Vinci made in preparation to paint the Mona Lisa. Fake news. But imagine now printing the wrong image of the Mona Lisa. Yeah, that would be a big lawsuit. So it definitely wasn't as known in comparison to now. Like, Nowadays, you're almost born with a mental image of this painting. <laughs> I'm not even sure what's so good about the Mona Lisa anyway. Yeah, well, in the art world, Mona Lisa is recognised for the new artistic technique sfumato, the look of soft, blurred outlines and mellow colours. 
Some say Da Vinci invented the technique, which was so different to a lot of the blocky outlined figures you often see in art before the Renaissance. So it's a great example of progression of an art style that has had a great and lasting influence on art that followed. But that's not to say the Mona Lisa is worthy of being a household name for its great technical skill. Lots of paintings and sculptures are just as good. I wonder what it is about Mona Lisa that has captured the public's attention for so long. I mean, it's really interesting. Mm. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. What do you think, Ella? Is Mona Lisa smiling? Well, I think so. I wouldn't personally sit for a portrait just to look like a grump at the end. What do you think? I hope she is. Um, Mona Lisa will always have a place in our hearts. She's our namesake. Mm -hmm. She's the inspiration for our logo. And if she does look grumpy, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. (laughs) Listeners, if you've enjoyed our Mona Lisa show, share it with your friends, drop us a message, follow us on Instagram and subscribe on your preferred streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Join Ella and I next time as we moan some more in our next episode, discussing some of the weirdest artworks out there. And there have been some shocking works of art, (laughs) if you can even call them that. Mm. We are talking artists packaging their own poop, getting their friends to shoot them, or playing with themselves, yes, you know what I mean, (gasps) beneath the gallery floor. Oh, wow, I can't wait. That sounds absolutely disturbing. Uh, It's called art, Ella. (laughs) Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.